Thank you so much. I'm, I'm blessed. That's even this morning, just sitting over here during the worship and watching you, watching you guys worship is such a blessing to me. And knowing the power of the presence of God. Some of you, this may be new to you, this type of worship. We raise our hands, we clap our hands. But the Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Clap ye hands, all ye people, unto God. Raise your hands and worship and surrender under him. Because here's what happens is you, you cause the presence of God to move in here. Did y'all feel that? I mean, we just got a little bit of taste. It was just like a little bit. But do you realize that in the presence of God is where people are set free? In the presence of God like that, when you begin to worship God, it's where people even get healed. Healed in our hearts, healed physically. That's why there's power in your praise. And so I just want to remind everybody, every Sunday when you come, that's why I, I don't want to just hoot and holler for no reason. I don't want to just act like I'm just, everybody be happy. No, I mean, but realize that there's power in your praise. And when you sing these songs that we're singing, you're declaring in the spiritual realm. Because we walk in here, we got, you know, we, we've been living the real life all week long. Going to work, 8 to 5, going home, raising kids, paying the bills, right? But there is a spiritual realm that is much more powerful than what you're looking at and what you're seeing every week. That's why sometimes when people lose hope, I'm like, you're looking at the wrong thing. I said it last week, you got to look up. Realize that your God is almighty. And I... I just, there's a sense over me now, even that, you know, I'm 53 years old and I want to do the best I can for God for the rest of my life. I just want to do what God wants me to do. And I want God to do a work in you. And I want do, God to do a work in us. You know, we got things to do, church. This is not about Pastor James, Pastor Debbie, and a few people. No, we have things to do. God has things to do in your life and through your life. Because I talked to you about the second coming of Christ. Can I just talk to you for a minute? Is this okay? We have to be prepared and ready and open to move in the spiritual realm and the authority that God has placed on the inside of you. And the enemy has come and blocked you for too long taken away your confidence, made you fearful of everything in life. There's so much anxiety and depression happening in our world. That's nothing but a lie from the devil because if you ever get, see, here's what happens. When, you, when the Holy Spirit fills you on the inside, there is a holy boldness that comes over you. Oh, I feel it right now. It, it's, it's like chill bumps running down the spine of my back because you're speaking and declaring who your God is. It's not that you just got stronger physically. No, you just got stronger spiritually. And whatever you declare and decree in your life and over others, things begin to happen in the spiritual realm. I'm telling you, God will lead you in, to your purpose in your life. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm looking for some bold people. I'm looking for some people who will stand up and realize, Debbie said it a while ago, I am your God. Why should I be strong and courageous? Because I am God. Come on, people. We need some church people. We need some people that love God. We need some people that believe in the church of the living God that nothing can stop us. We need people who will step out in boldness and pray. Oh, I'm just saying what's on the inside of me, church. Well, I pray the Holy Spirit get a hold of you. I pray God speak life on the inside of you. I'm not griping at anybody. I'm trying to encourage you this morning. It's more than what you see with your physical eyes. You pray it until it comes into fruition. Mm, mm, mm. I, I'm, I'm, I, won't, I don't want to, God's not coming back for a weak church. He's coming back for a strong church, a church that believes in him. Get your eyes away from, see, we focus so much on, the enemy gets us focused on our stuff. Our stuff. 
And not just stuff that's gone wrong, prideful stuff. Like my life's good. I got it all together. I'm, I know what I'm doing. And what's the end result going to be? Is there going to be any fruit in heaven? Are you going to store up any treasure in heaven by the way you lived your life? That's what I want to do. At 53, I'm going, okay. I mean, I could start. I mean, sometimes I, I'm like, okay, God, I've been doing this for 26 years. I'm tired. Anybody ever felt like that? But then I get in the presence of God, and he goes, I can use you more now in a small amount of time than I could in the last 26 years if you'll just get a hold of my spirit. And I've been praying. You know, my dad passed. It's been a month. And I can never replace him. People say, well, you're going to step in your dad's shoes. No, I can't fulfill his shoes. He was him. There's a lot of traits in me. There's a lot of things I've learned from him as a son, following him as my spiritual leader, but I can never fulfill his shoes. But I pray for his anointing. I pray for his anointing. I said, God, you passed it from Elijah to Elisha. And Elisha asked for a double portion. And I pray, God, I can't, I'm not my dad, but you know what? I seen where the baton was passed in the anointing. And I pray the love of God, the spirit of God, the same spirit that led my father for 49 years in this house would fall on me because I want it to fall on you. I want you to know the love of God. I want you to know the strength of God. I want you to know there's hope. I want you to know there's an eternal life that God has prepared for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel his glory in this place. I feel his glory in this place. Hallelujah. Father, I pray today over your message this morning, God. Give me the words, your words to speak. You know what folks need to hear this morning that walk in, walked into here in this place today. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would open their hearts and their minds right now to receive the seeds of the word of God. And I pray they would not be blocked or dampened out, but Lord, that you would take that seed of the word of God, begin to water it as they walk out of here today. Lord, let it become fruit in their life. They begin to flourish, God, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say a good amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for letting me share my heart for a minute. I just feel his mighty presence in this place. Last week, I began to talk to you about a question that I believe that all of us at some point in our lives and at different seasons in our lives, we begin to ask and Sometimes we become completely frustrated over this. I've seen people frustrated, and sometimes I get frustrated at people when they ask the question because I already know the answer for them. But we ask this question a lot of times, and the question is, is God, what's your plan for my life? God, what do, you, what do you want me to do? I don't know if you've ever asked yourself that question, but at some point, even at different seasons you may be in right now, it's like you may be, and it, this doesn't just happen when you're young. This happens in your at different seasons because when you're trying to follow God's plan, it's like, God, what's next? What's your direction? Who should I marry? Where should I go? What career should I take? What, what, what's your desire? And a lot of times we're saying, God, what do you want me to do? And I understand, but last week we discovered sometimes we're asking the question wrong. It's not, God, what's your plans? You know, what are the plans for my life? Because as we discovered in Scripture, he said, when you gave your life to Christ, you died. Because it's really not about your selfish or being selfish. It's about, God, what do you want me to do with your life. 
God brought you, and, 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 and I don't want to explain here, but because I, I know it can be frustrating, because I know we all want to know God's personal will for our lives, and I'm going to get that. But if we don't set the platform right first and saying, God, you breathe life into me. When we don't honor God as first, then we're asking the question wrong. It's God, what should I do with your life that is in me? And here's what happens, because a lot of times when we don't know that, there's chaos or there's unrest. But when you put your hands in the life of God, the fruit is peace. I asked you to do homework for me for the last seven days because the scripture I gave you, he said, look up. In other words, you're just looking right in front of you. You're only seeing as far as you can see. But look up because I've given you a life. I, the Lord Jesus Christ, has all power and authority. And I've given you your life. And if you'll look up to me then and get your eyes on Jesus, the plans that he has for your life, all of a sudden your future will become clear as you focus on him. Start Stop focusing on the future, but focus on the Savior. And he'll bring and lead you to the, the, to the future. So I told you even last week, my parents, you know, always told me growing up, they said, Mom would come and say, James, God has a great plan for your life. God has a great plan. And I would hear that, and I would think, that's awesome. I just wish I knew what it was. And, and, but I, I've been praying that my whole life, like, for the next season because I begin to pray that. I begin to understand it's not my life, it's the life he's given me. And it's about what he wants, not, not necessarily what I always want. But here's the amazing thing is God begins to bring that together. In other words, you begin to desire what he wants. When you're submitted to him, you begin to desire what he wants for you. And I think Father knows best. If he created you, he saw you in your mother's womb, he already pre-planned for you. Don't you think he knows? I think he knows. But I began to pray that for some chapters in my life. And sometimes I didn't pray that because I didn't want to hear what God had to say. Because the truth is, I already knew. There's times you know what God's calling you to do. You just don't do it. Amen, somebody. I didn't want to hear. I'm not ready for that now, God. I want to do this. I've got my own plan. Sounds like raising kids, doesn't it? I already knew, but when I finally submitted my life, I said, I said okay, God, because I was running. I was running from it and running from it and running from it. Mama knows I was running from it. She had a Bible in between my mattress, praying every time I left the house. God, he's running. And I'm coming in from the house. I'm like, I'm tired. I'm going to go to sleep. I think, I, I mean, God, I'm going to do what I want to do. You know, that's the way I really felt. And I lay on that bed, and all of a sudden, there's something holy started happening. Wake up wanting to do the will of God. I wonder why. Don't tell me prayer doesn't work. But now I find myself teaching my kids the very same thing. I've told them at different times, you know what? God has a plan for your life. I whispered it in their ear down here at the front, praying over them. God has a purpose for your life. He has a plan for your life. I'm not sure they've gotten it yet, and they're trying to figure it all out there, this stage in life, but I'm trying to teach them there is a plan. God did not just bring you into this world for nothing, right? And there's a lot of times, you know, it didn't feel like I heard from God. Anybody, you prayed the prayer and you're like, I just, I just don't, I'm not hearing from God. Not, at least not like what the stories I read in the Bible. I mean, Moses, he's out there in the desert and God shows up to talk to him. And not only that, he gets a burning bush. Like, I don't get burning bushes. I don't walk out in the backyard and the, the Isaiah, you know, start talking. I mean, I, I didn't get that experience. Anybody else? If you got that, come see me. I want to know what it's like. It's pretty awesome. I mean, what about Paul in the New Testament? He's out to kill every Christian. He's like, I'm your guy. I'm going to take these Christians out. And guess what? God shows up and blinds him 
and then knocks him off his mule and starts talking to him. That ain't never happened to me. What about Jonah in the Old Testament? I mean, Jonah gets to take a ride in a fish. I never had no ride in no fish. And I'm not sure I want to, right? But I just want to tell you this prayer. God, show me your will. Show me your will in this marriage. Show me your will in raising my kids. Show me your will in my career. Show me your will and what you want me to do for the kingdom of God. I'm going to tell you, it's a powerful prayer, and it's never too late to begin praying this prayer. God, I, I, I know what my parents want. God, I, I know what uh, uh, my boss wants. God, I know what my, my family's saying. God, I know what culture is trying to tell me. But you know what? I want to know what you want. Not the pressure from everybody else so I can just conform to the world. No, I'm called to do something special for the kingdom of God. Amen. So God, show me your will in every aspect of my life. I want to know. And so... This is a big deal because we are the products of the decisions that we make. I think sometimes we don't realize some of the decisions that we make in our lives, the impact that it's going to have on us. Let me tell you something. You can make a 30-second decision that can impact your life in a negative way for the next 30 years. So you say, well, it's not a big deal. No, it is a big deal. I mean, thank God. God always works things out for the good, but my God, I could have saved 25 years. God had a straight path and kind of crooked to teach me. He really wanted to bring me, but no, I had to go around and circle 25 times. Anybody else? So we all need to pray this and you need the Holy Spirit to guide you. It's so important that you realize that God is in you. I told you last week, it's like the prize on the inside of the Cracker Jacks, you know? I mean, that's what we used to look for as kids. We didn't care about the popcorn in there. It was getting the prize out. Well, when you give your life to God, he puts that prize, the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to lead you, to guide you. I mean, you'll feel the tugging of your heart, you know, when, when you know you need to do something or you need to say something or you need to not do that or you need to go here or God prompts you to pray for somebody else or prompts you in the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit to lead you every single day right so we need God's will and the good news is God wants you to know it he don't want you to be confused and today I want to explain the context for discovering God's will anybody want to know no don't be embarrassed we all want to be sure well the New Testament and I'm going to take you to your Bible in just a minute but the New Testament uses the phrase God's will in three different ways. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the three I'm going to talk about. And these may be words you don't understand, but I'm going to explain them. The first one is the providential will of God. There's the providential will of God. The second one, there's the moral will of God. Okay? And then the third is the personal will of God. Now, if you were to look up all the phrases in the Bible of God's will or the will of God or the God Almighty, you're going to discover that all of this falls under these three categories. Now, which one of these do you think most of us are interested in? Personal, right? It's all right to be a little selfish. I want to know this one because I want to know. I mean, look, when I was praying for my wife and Debbie and I were even dating, I mean, uh, at that point I was praying. I wanted to see some things. God, I need, I need a sign. You know, I, I want to make sure this is, you know, I, I want, this is a huge decision I'm about to make in my life. I mean, and you know, my parents taught me to be committed and be all in love, you know, for their sickness and health or death or whatever comes. I wanted to make sure this is the woman I even told her. I was like, look, I know that I'm not a preacher or anything like that. And, and, and I, I, I knew in my life I was running from that. But I said, I, I just might be in the ministry one day. <laughs> and I'm like, are you okay with that? And she's like, oh, yeah, sure. Whatever. I'm like, she don't know what she's asking for. But she stuck with me. Amen. But I wanted to know, it's a personal, I want to know what I'm supposed to do. But here's the thing, watch this, and this is in your notes. I wrote this down because I want you to take a picture of it or whatever. The clearer you are 
on the providential and the moral will of God, the easier it is to discover the personal will of God. Now let's talk about them. What is the providential will of God? Can I teach you for a minute? I'll just put it in plain English. This is what God's going to do anyway. In other words, you don't have no say-so. The providential will of God is you don't have a choice in the matter. It's like being the parent, being the dad in the house, and you got the remote in your hand. And you're sitting there and you're changing the channel and your kids are going, don't change the channel, Dad. You can't. Why are you doing that? Why, why? Because I'm dead. And I pay the bills. And it's my remote. I can change the channel, right? I mean, I know that don't sound fair, but there's certain things about our Heavenly Father that, look, he's the boss. He's in charge. He's your creator. He knows how life should operate. And sometimes God just does that. Like, this is my will. This is, I know what's best for you. Father knows best. There's sometimes we don't always agree, you know, our our kids don't always agree. But you know what? Father knows best sometimes because we've been there. We've done that. We've experienced that. We're trying. Why are we saying it? Because we want you to avoid some things that will hurt you in your life. Let me give you some Bible examples. There's God decided to call Abraham. He said, I'm calling Abraham. I'm making him a great nation. And there was not a thing anybody could do about it. And then he decided to raise up the nation of Israel as his people to be his representative, representative, and they still are today, to know what God was like and that the Messiah would come through them, and there was not a thing you could do about it. Anybody? He decided through this nation to bring the Messiah, Jesus. Nobody could do anything about it. He predicted all the way back in Genesis. He said people are going to come and people are going to go. Nations are going to rise and fall. Leaders are going to come and go. But hey, this is going to happen. I'm changing the channel. I got the remote in my hand. I have a plan. I see the beginning from the end. That's why I'm the Alpha, the Omega. Then Jesus came and died and rose again. And this is where it impacts all of us. Because Jesus said, you know what? I'm creating this thing called the church. And he said, we're about to start a movement that's going to change the world. And by the way, there was only about 100 people standing around. And they're all looking around going, what? You mean, Jesus, we're going to change the world? I'm looking around, it's like, I don't think so, Jesus. I mean, what are you talking about? He said, no, we're about to start a movement that the gates of hell can, will not prevail against. It's going to change and turn the world upside down, that every nation is going to hear about the news of Jesus Christ. We're about to do that, and they're like, what? I don't understand. We're not even allowed to leave this city. They're trying to kill you. They're trying to kill us. What? But guess what? In God's providence, the church was launched. Nothing could, nobody could do anything about it. So here's what I've learned from history. Every time somebody stands up in front of God's providential will, God just mows right over them. Because you can't stop God. I know you think you can. But nobody can stop God. He just keeps on going. Pharaoh thought he could stop God. He calls Moses and says, Moses, you need to go over there and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. So here goes Moses. He goes over there and he says, Pharaoh, God said, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, I don't think so. I'm not letting anybody go. And then weeks go by and pestilence show up and all disease shows up and, and until their kids start dying. And he finally, uh, oh, Pharaoh goes, Go, please, just go. Take them all. Go. Why? Because you couldn't stop God's providence. Saul tried to get rid of David. David was anointed to be king, and Saul gets jealous and says, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to kill him, but guess what? David became king. You're not going to stop God. Why? Even the Messiah was coming through the lineage of David. God, that's not going to be stopped. That's the providence will of God. Paul, what about Paul? We just mentioned him a while ago. He was against Christians, killing Christians. And, and, and guess what? God shows up and said, no, I don't think so. And Paul ends up writing half the New Testament, planting churches everywhere. Why? Because you can't stop God's providential will. Go in our history. Nero. Nero 
said, we're going to take out all the Christians. We're just going to kill them all. That was a bad decision because God's providential will uh, is that Christianity would spread. And guess what? It spread to the whole world. I mean, here we have Hitler who said, we're going to get rid of all the Jews. We know the great horrors that we read in history. We're going to get rid of them. But guess what? You can't stop the providential will of God. You can't stop the people of God. Stalin said, you know what? We're going to just get rid of God. We're going to be an atheistic culture. But guess what? The walls came down and Christianity flooded in to Russia. I could just keep repeating up to time. But when men have competed against God's providential will, they have lost every single time. You don't want to get on the wrong side of God's providential will. Are y'all with me? Y'all understanding? So he's got the remote in his hands. He's decided. But let me give the good news about that. He's invited every one of you to participate in the providential will of God. I mean, look, you might as well get on the train, baby, because it's going through. It's going to happen. You may not think this way, but you, you, know, you have jobs and you have kids to raise. But let me tell you, when you participate, listen, when you participate in the local church, when you give, when you serve, when you show up, when you pray, when you invite people to church, do you know that you are participating in the providential will of God? Come on. See, you don't realize this big, how big this thing is. It's God's will in this generation that the whole world would hear the name of Jesus and know who he is. It's God's will in this generation that the church would grow and multiply and move in the spirit and move in his power and pour out his spirit on this earth. He's just waiting on a generation to wake up to be a part of what he's doing. Can I get somebody in here that decides today, I'm not going to go against it. I'm going to be a part of it. I'm not going to lay dormant and lay on the sideline. That's why I love the local church. That's why in February, on February the 8th, we're going to celebrate 50 years of legacy of building in this community. 50 years, y'all. God has handed this baton off to our generation. And guess what? We have a responsibility. You'll know when you begin to mature spiritually what season you're in that God will begin to use you. Like, I mean, personally for me, I feel like I have so much to just give, to give even to help men, to help people to grow in Christ. Not, not because I know it all. No, I want to I wanna tell you what I know because I don't know it all, but I'm going to tell you what I know. I want to make sure I'm passing the baton off in a great way. And you know what? If God gives me a healthy next 10 years, I want it to be the best 10 years of my life of being a part of the providential will of God. Here's the second one. You may not amen me as much. It's the moral will of God. The moral will. What's that? Well, I'll, let me just give you a general definition. It's the general moral and ethical code given in Scripture. This is the will of God that you have a choice to choose. And I will tell you, majority of the world is not choosing God's code. And I will tell you, the enemy is, I've seen it sneak into the church now. The moral and ethical code is gone. And you want to know why there's no power in places? Because we want to show up and go to church, but we don't want to live according to his code. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here, I pray in the Holy Spirit, get a hold of your heart and realize you're never going to find the personal will of God until you come in alignment with the providential and the moral will of God. It's not going to happen. It's, can't, it's, it's not I can live like I want to and still be and find God's will. It doesn't work that way. Why? Because God is holy. 
He's a holy God. He's a pure God. Why did he have to come to earth and live a life without sin? Because there had to be the perfect sacrifice of holiness. And he's called us, he said, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice unto God. You want to know the will of God? You want to know direction? You want to feel the spirit and the anointing on your life? You got to come into alignment and get yourself righteous through Jesus Christ and live that way and make a choice to live that way. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing on this so strong because I'm, I just want you to pay attention to what's happening in your life. You can't go live and do like you want to do. God gave us do's and don'ts in the scripture. Why? Because he's just wanting you to be pure and holy so that he can operate through you. Why? Because there's a separation of sin. Yes, but the grace of God has covered us. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. Grace came. When Jesus came, grace came. And thank God he took your place. Thank God he looked through all your mess and took your place. But there's also a thing called truth. And he said, I'm grace and truth. Grace, come on, you can't have one without the other. Thank God there's grace because he covers me every day when I mess up. Amen. But at least is my mind striving to live right? That's the, ask the question. If I'm intentionally not living the life, the moral life, if I'm lying and cheating and sleeping around, can I just go ahead and say it without in his context? You are out of the will, moral will of God. See, the world will say, it's not a big deal, man. Not a big deal. It is a big deal. How I treat people. Do I forgive people? It, it, it matters. If I'm, I mean, I'm just wondering sometimes, are we really striving to be like Jesus? That's the goal. Oh, I'm, I'm, it's getting quiet in here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to preach to the cameras because maybe somebody listening. You know, I say that out of the burden of my heart because I want to see you. I want to see you explode in the anointing of God on your life. I want to see, it, it, nothing excites me more when I see people begin to thrive in their walk with God and begin to grow. I mean, it, 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 it's like a parent, man, just over your child. And when you see them do well and you see them excel, it, it just makes you beam with such greatness in your heart. And when I see my spiritual kids in this room, when I see you begin to thrive, men, listen to me, when I see you your walk with God because it shows it shines through it also shows when it's not there not to judge anybody but fruit grows and shows it's a light that comes on the inside of you. I can see when there's an humble spirit on the inside of you. I can see when you've humbled yourself unto God and you've submitted and you've been in a prayer wall because when you open your mouth spiritual things come out and people listen, people get affected, people are changed because of the anointing that's on your life. But it cannot happen if we're not in alignment with God's providential. Come on, just give God a hand clap. I'm going to give him a thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. I got to get in alignment with you. Here's the deal. You're going to be miserable if you don't. And you're allowing some things in your life that are going to be detrimental that can hurt you. Can God forgive me? Absolutely. Right now in this place, he is waiting. So here's the third one. You ready? The personal will of God. What is that? Well, that's his specific will for each individual. But it's always found. Y'all listening? Within the context of the providential and moral will of God. In other words, the, the, the providential and the moral serve as boundaries. They serve as boundaries to the personal will of God. And the more clear and more familiar you are with the first two, the easier it is to discern the personal will of God. And this is why, listen, this is why you need to be around someone who's teaching you the Bible in a way that you can understand. 
And this is why parents, listen up, this is why parents, it's important and absolutely imperative that you bring your kids to church and get them into Sunday school. Get them in there where they're learning about Jesus. Getting in there where they're learning about God and his ways and what he desires in our heart. Anybody? It's, um, you need to get to where somebody is teaching what God is going to do anyway, teaching them who God is and how powerful he is and what God wants them to do. Because as they live their lives and the more familiar they are with what God is up to and what God wants them to do in terms of the do's and don'ts and rights and wrongs and how we're supposed to live, it's much easier then to discern, God, where do you want me to live? God, where do you want me to, where are you going to use me at in my job? Where, what do you want me to become? Where do you want me to go? It's much easier. Where do you want me to go to college? All these personal issues become so much clearer because it's found within the context of God's providential and moral will. Amen? And let me just say this. This is why it's so important. And you're here today, but it's important for you to be in church. I don't want to just go to church just to pat me on the back, Pastor, make me feel a little better because I went to church. No, I want the Word of God taught to me. You know why? Because I've had, here, look, I've had this experience where I've had people, you know, I meet people that, that you know, they go to church all the time and they're trying to make a decision, you know, and a lot of times they come up to me and uh, they're thinking, you know, Pastor, you know, I, I, I'm really trying to make this decision in my life. I don't know what to do. And I can tell uh, you know, that they're being earnest and honest about it. But I'm also thinking that's already in the Bible. You, 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 it's already written down. Like there, there's really not a question of what you should do. Like God already showed us what he wanted us to do, right? There's certain areas uh, that we don't understand. I mean, uh, God said, this is the way you do it. But the problem, here's the problem that, I, that I'm finding. And this is, please don't take offense to this. The reason that we don't understand that is because we're illiterate when it comes to the Bible. I didn't say idiot. I said we're illiterate. We just don't know. How can you know something if you just don't know? How can you know something if, you don't, if you're not in Bible study, if you're not around anybody that's trying to help you, if you're not in a, you know, I mean, and you're thinking, well, everybody, all my neighbors need to go to church. Yeah, they need a small group. They need a neighbor that can help lead them. The truth is, is the reason why people don't know that God's will is because they have no idea what God has said. Amen? Or we just deny it and don't want to live by it, right? It's like God's going, you know what, this is not really that hard, guys, but for this to get easier, and it's not ever going to be uh, get the easiest, but for some options to be automatically eliminated, God says, you know, you got to know what I'm up to. You got to know what I'm doing. You got to know what my word says. And then that's when the personal will of God begin to happen, will begin to happen. All right. So we got that. Y'all good. What's the first one? Second, third. All right. And I'm going to finish it up this way. I want to take you to what I think is the most important idea of the application of this message because there's one specific area in the scripture you're thinking I'm never going to read my scripture but all of this comes together and that's found in 2 Peter chapter 3 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 3 Peter he wrote this letter addressing some people who doubted that Jesus was going to come back I mean, this is back a long time ago, and, and they're doubting that Jesus is going to return, and they're doubting that there's ever going to be a judgment like they hear, heard about this judgment, okay? And Jesus had promised to come back just like today, but he hadn't come, and these people were still trying to figure the whole church thing out, and they were looking around at what was happening in the world morally. See, some things never change. When we look around what's happening in our world morally, they were looking around and they were looking at the whole corruption and this whole idea of, of God's going to come back again and there's going to be judgment and, and they couldn't hardly fathom that. I mean, just it felt unrealistic, you know, that God's going to stop and judge the world. And so Peter addresses this. And that's what I want to read he, in verse 3. He said, you guys, you got to understand in the last days... 
scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. Now, just think about that. He's saying that way back then. He was actually speaking the future of now because now we have all these signs of the second coming. I just got through preaching this, and, and there's still more I need to preach about that, but I just talked about it. There's signs. We're seeing it. But he's saying, you know, hey, it's still more to come. There, but the last days, you're going to see people. They're making fun of God. God ain't real. I, you know, I'm, I'm just going to, you do what you want to do. I'll do what I want to do. You believe in the God you want to believe in. I believe in the God I want to believe in. This is the lifestyle I want to live. This is who I am. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? And they will say, where, where is this coming of Jesus? I mean, really, are y'all going to, I can't believe y'all been duped. I mean, some of the stuff I read online sometimes, they're like, these Christians are dumb. They just believe in this hocus pocus. It's not going to happen. And he says, ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. In other words, time just, nothing's changed. Everything keeps going. The world's going to keep going around. People are going to live. People are going to die. I mean, that's just the way it is. It's hard to believe that there's going to be a God come and interrupt this whole thing and, and, and come back and there's going to be a judgment. Verse 5, he said, but they deliberately, deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, it was said, and the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And by these waters, also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. In other words, they forget that in the beginning, God spoke this earth into existence. They forget that God was the one that created all things. And they forget when he was talking about the earth was destroyed, what was he talking about? He's talking about Noah. They forget that God came back one time and he destroyed the earth with water because mankind was so corrupt and a savior had not come yet. Right? Noah was the only savior left. You better get on the boat. Somebody needs to hear that one this morning. There's a boat being built. Make sure you got a room. And it ain't the princess. What do you call it? The crown? Something like that. Amen. He said, let me, let me get back to my message. He said, verse 7, by the same word, in other words, what was said in the beginning, by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for? I've had people even say, there ain't no hell. God, God's not that mean. You're right. He's not that mean. He's made a way out. He said, it's reserved for fire being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. I don't know whatever you got to do, my friend, but I don't want to be a part of the ungodly. I want to live a godly life. And here's the providential will. That's the providential will of God. It's going to happen, right? I said, there's a, whatever God sets to come, that's going to happen. Hell's coming. But do not forget this one thing. I think I would underline that. If he says don't forget one thing, I think I want to know what that one thing is. He said with the Lord, a day, it's like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. And here he gets personal. You ready? The Lord's not slow. He's not slow in keeping his promise. Not, I mean, I know you're, sometimes we're going, God, I thought you said you were going to do, but I mean, and, but here's what he says. As some understand slowness, he says, instead, I'm patient. God's not slow in judgment and the end of time coming. No, he is patient because he's a father loving his kids because every person that is born on this earth is his child. Whether they allow him in their life, whether they acknowledge him or they don't acknowledge him. Instead, he's patient with you. He's patient about what? Why is he patient? He's not wanting you to perish. Here comes the personal will. 
first step of the personal will of God is that you would come to repentance. See, to perish, what does that mean? That, that means to die without hope. Just perish. I'm, I'm, people, sometimes I'm, I'm wondering, like, I've done funerals for people at, at times where I know that there's no connection to a church, there's no connection to God, and, and they're, they're just they're crying because there's a sense of no hopelessness. There's a sense of no hope. It's like they don't even believe in it, and it's like it's gone. It's forever. It's forever. There's no hope. To perish means without a promise of eternal life. To die and wonder what's next. Or do I just go out of existence? God doesn't want anybody to perish. But you want to know God's personal will for you? Here's the starting place. He said that you would come to repentance. What's God's personal will for me? What does that mean, repentance? It means to change teams. It means an about face. If you look up the word, it means doing about face. It means to change direction. So I'm walking in my own will, my own desires, my own thing without acknowledging God who's going to moral will that's going the other direction. Does that make sense? I, I'm, I'm developing my own moral code because this is what the world does. I'm going to talk and live and do and treat people the way I need because this is the way culture does. I'm going to hate on people. If I don't like you, too bad, so sad. And keep going that direction. I don't forgive. I, I mean, I don't honor Repentance means to say, you know what? It's not my will, it's your will. So I do an about face. And the light and the truth and the holiness is over here. The way of life, the, the way to fruition, the way to joy, the way to peace, the way to true love, the way to joy in my life. The way to knowing God's direction is I got to repent. Repentance is not walking down to an altar and just snotting all over the place. I know a lot of us thought that was. No, repentance means to do an about face. It's what I've taught my kids their whole lives. I don't know how, how they're listening to it. I don't know. But Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all the stuff you desire, how am I going to pay my bills, where am I going to go, where am I going to live, where am I going to marry, all these things shall be added unto you. It's not all these things and let me add God. So repentance is not just words. Worthless words that come out of my mouth. It's doing about face and saying, God, you are God. And your will is going to be done regardless. And I believe in you. And I trust in you. And I know you know what's best for me. And God, when I get off track, bring me, let the Holy Spirit speak to me so I can keep stepping. Oh, I may step a little left, but the Holy Spirit says, Keep going. I may step a little right, and sometimes I fall, and I, I say things I shouldn't say, and I act the way I shouldn't say, act, and I do things that are not holy in my life. And it's like, but the next morning, God, I know I can't. Please, God, forgive me. I know you've forgiven me. You already went to the cross for that. The grace of God covers me, but I'm going to not do that anymore in my life because you just you, you can't really grow until you surrender your will. Anybody getting anything out of this? Why is God patient with you? Because he loves you so much. 
There's things, look, I, I got all my three of my kids here today, so they're, they're hearing, it, hearing it all. And I always use them, and they're like, Dad, why do you always talk about us? Because I was like, that's the only world I know. I know that I disappointed my parents at times, but they never stopped loving me. I will never stop loving my kids. And guess what? That's why. That's why he's patient with you, because he loves you. So if here, you're here today. Here's where, how we're going to end this, okay? Some of you, for some of you in the room, you're going, I believe that. I believe that. And today, it's time for you to put a stake in the ground. It's the, it's the time to decide I'm going to step over this line and I'm going to give my life completely to God. I don't know all the details for your personal life. I don't know what kind of car you should drive. I don't know where you should live. I don't know. But I do know this. God desires you to repent and give your life to him. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Father knows best. If you're here today, God's speaking to your heart right now. Whatever that little inner voice is, be obedient to it. All I'm doing is declaring the Bible and the Scripture and God's Word. But you have to choose to listen to the Holy Spirit. So I want to give everybody an opportunity with your heads bowed here today. If you're here and you're, you're ready to put a stake in the ground for good, you're going to take a step forward. I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat and walk up to the front of this church. That's it. Come on. You're going to put a stake in the ground. I, I mean, it's like baptism. I'm going to... I'm going to show the Lord that I'm going to take an actual physical step of faith. Come on. Y'all keep coming. Come right up here. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Come on. Come on. If I could get some of my staff to stand with them today. Come on. I need some of my prayer partners, staff. Come on. Keep coming. You guys come forward a little bit. Thank you. Thank you. There's some of you out here, you're not being obedient. I'm not trying to embarrass you, no. This is about saying, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Just keep coming. They're coming. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep waiting. Come on. You're holding back. Some of you need to step out of the aisle. Come on. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. He's patient. He's patient. He's patient. He's patient. He's patient. Still coming, still coming. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you guys. Thank y'all for walking up here. Look at me for a second. Look at me for a second. I know you wouldn't be up here if something's not tugging on your heart right now. I'm not here to try and embarrass you. Actually, I'm so thrilled for you. Because you are choosing. You're saying, I'm choosing to follow God's plan. So I'm going to pray that God give you the ability, give you the strength, 
and that you would be open to hear and listen what he's saying to you. Allow the right people, okay? Some of you got some wrong people speaking to you. You need the right people saying the right things. So we pray for alignment right now. We pray for those of you struggling. Maybe you've got something that's got a hold of your life. I mean, it's, it's hanging. You, you, it's like just hanging on you. I mean, it's, a, it's an addiction. It's a struggle that you have in your life, and you're ready to get rid of it. Come on, somebody. Y'all believe that God brings deliverance? He wants to set. Some of you, you want to be free from it. You've been, you've been trying to get free from whatever it is. This goes for everybody in the crowd. You've been trying to get free from it for a long time. You wish you could be free. You no longer have to wish, my friend. You know, just give it over to God right now. You're going to have to have God's help every day. You're going to have to have an accountability partner in your life that, can, that, that you can trust. Amen. So, Father, we just pray right now for every young person, for every person, young lady, young man in this building, up front, God. Lord, you see their heart. You see they have taken a step of faith forward. I pray that the mighty hand of God begin to rest on them right now. We know that you are faithful and just to forgive us. We repent today. Come on, everybody, if you need to repent today, God, I repent in my life. I want to make a change. God, come into my life. I make you Lord, and I'm making you Savior from this day forward. I'm not going to let nobody hold me back. I'm not going to let the enemy lie to me anymore. I'm not going to let the wrong friends, the wrong people in my life. No, God, I'm submitted to you. I pray for freedom in this building right now. God, set us free from any hindrances that have got a hold of our lives, oh God. We ask you for your strength and your power right now. Set our minds on things above. Set our minds on you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. God, I receive you. I receive everything you have for me in my life. Come on. I receive it right now. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your strength. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, somebody give God glory. Just begin to worship Him for freedom in this house right now. Come on, sing it.
say for those of, those of you who are up here today, I want to make sure you're prayed over before you leave this place. I'm going to allow each and every one of you, thank you for being here today. If you're a guest of ours, we have what we call our VIP. Debbie and I would love to meet you. If you have a few minutes, come out to my right through these doors. We'd love to just say hello to our first time guest or second time. Maybe you've been coming a little bit. Go get your kids, bring them by. And uh, we'll see you there. But for those of you up front, I want to pray with you. If you don't mind, if you'll stay here for a few minutes, I'm going to be down there in just a second. I love everybody. Thank you for being here today.